It's great to see everyone here this morning. <clears throat> I think that it would be an understatement if I were to say that this last year was a challenge. <clears throat> um, and when I look at doing ministry, I think the word challenge is one that comes to mind quite easily in, in what it is that not just ministers, when, when I say ministry, I want everyone to realize I'm not just talking about ministers, but we all have our own personal ministries in life. But when we talk about doing ministry, challenge is a word that comes to mind. And as I was kind of reflecting, and, and Aaron reached out to me this week, and like he said, he was planning on being out of town, and I, I was glad, I was more than happy to give him that time to be with his family and to step in and teach uh, this morning. But I was thinking about what exactly we could talk about, and, and there's certain times in teaching and preaching where topics and ideas come very naturally, like at Christmas, it's very easy to come up with a lot of different uh, angles, aspects, ideas of the Christmas story and a lot of things to digest in that. One of the most difficult times to come up with something to teach is the beginning of a new year because everyone's looking for something. It's why we have New Year's resolutions. It's why we take that time to self-evaluate. We're looking at how we can make ourselves, our lives, our world better. It's a time of reflection, and it's a time of refocusing ourselves into doing something that changes the way that this world or our life works. And, and it's almost an added pressure to get up here the first Sunday or, or in youth on the first Wednesday night of a new year and to say something or to teach something from God that, that compels us and encourages us and motivates us and allows us to focus on what we feel like we need to focus on. And so today what I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to start out with two things and then we're going to pray before we really get started. But I want you to look back at last year and we talk about it being a challenge, we talk about it being hard, we talk about how exhausting it was, how frustrating it was. But I want you to think of what blessings came out of last year. And, and I'll be the first to stand up here and say that 2020 was very challenging uh, for, for myself, not only here at the church, there's so many hurdles and things that we've had to, and obstacles we've had to navigate, uh, things that, you know, we try to do, and I promise you, Aaron and I don't sit in our offices every day and scheme of how to make everyone angry, okay? We, we try our best to do what we think is best, and sometimes we miss the mark, and sometimes we do things that are wrong. Oh, we'll be the first to admit that, but the, not only here in trying to navigate that, but in my, my own personal life, in my family. Um, you know, Many of you know my parents had COVID, um, and seeing the effect that that had on my parents and some of my grandparents had it. Um, it's been a very trying year uh, for me personally as well. But when I really started looking back at this last year, I really saw how many blessings came out of this year. How many, how many students we saw come to faith in Jesus Christ this last year? How many lives were impacted with the gospel? How many times that, that my family, things that happened with my children or, or my marriage or things that, that 
were positive and encouraging. And then whenever I look back at the fact that my family made it through last year healthy and made it through to this year, it's, it's truly overwhelming to think of the blessings that God has given us. And the fact that we are all here this morning is a true, genuine blessing from God. And so I want us all to just take a second to think of how God has blessed us in the past year. And, and while you're doing that, you know, I said that we like to we like to take the end of the year, the beginning of a new year, to really self-evaluate and try to figure out how we can make ourselves better or what we think we need to do to make ourselves better. And I want, I want you to take that, and, and that's good. I'm not telling you that's bad, but I want you to take any, any ideas that you've had coming into this year and put those on the shelf this morning because what I want you to do is I want you to open your heart and open your mind to what God is wanting you to do with your life in this coming year. So often we think about, oh, I want to do this. I need to change this. I want to be better in this or whatever. And, and we don't even think to consult God about what he is desiring for us in this next year. And, and so I want you to really open your mind to that as we walk through uh, our, our teaching this morning. And, but, but first, I'm going to pray for you, not only just to celebrate and praise God for all the blessings we had in the last year, but that he would open the hearts and minds of everyone in this room, including myself, to the words that he has to say to us this morning. <clears throat> God, we, we praise you for who you are. God, we thank you and we love you for all that you do for us, the blessings that you pour out on us every day. God, there's nothing we could do to reciprocate those to you. And we pray that you would just help us to have thankful hearts, that we would just praise you for who you are and what you've done. We thank you for sending your son Jesus to die a sacrificial death so that we can spend eternity with you, God. That is the greatest blessing that we could ever receive. And it is as equally true as it was the day he died and rose again, as it was in 2020, as it is today. God, we, we praise you for that and that blessing that we have. We pray that as we enter into this time of hearing your word and studying what you want us to know from your word, that you would open our hearts and our minds to the direction that you want to take your church and you want to take your people in this coming year. God, I pray that you would just help clear the minds of everyone in this room to focus on your words, that your Holy Spirit would indwell in this place and would speak to us and help us to understand your will for our life. We pray this all in the name of your precious son, Jesus. Amen. <clears throat> so, we're going to be looking at today, I don't know if it's, a, yeah, it's already up there, spoiler alert. Um, I, it, you can ask the youth, I do this almost every Wednesday, I try to keep like the, the topic or the points of my, my teaching secret, and I try to like reveal them, and it's usually really like dorky, like I don't know, I don't do it well, but I was looking at how can I reveal this, and then I was like, oh, forget it. I'm just going to put it on the screen, and you can see. But we're going to talk about the three focuses of a healthy church today. And it's upward, inward, and outward, okay, just if, in case you didn't catch on to that already. But if you're, if you're looking at this and thinking the three focuses of a healthy church, and you might be sitting there going, there are a lot more than three focuses of a healthy church or things that a church needs to focus on. Focus on. There's more than three. 
However, I would argue with you that every aspect that a church needs to focus on falls into one of these three categories. Okay, and, and so we can, as we're going to unpack this, I hope that you will see how God wants us to focus in all of these three areas. And, and so what I'm going to ask you this morning, really, is that you really take this moment from God to self-evaluate where you are placing your focus, because the church is not, the, the church is us collectively as a whole, and we'll get into that in a second of, of what the body of Christ really means. It is us collectively as a whole, and we need to be focused in these three areas as a collective whole, but the church is also each of us individually, and each of us individually needs to be focused equally, well, not equally, but needs to be balancedly focused in all three of these areas. And so what I'm going to ask you this morning is, if you hear something and you're like, oh, I'm doing good focusing in this area, great, keep that up. But I want you to be aware and to be listening for areas where maybe you need to strengthen your focus in other aspects. Now, the relationship between these focuses can get a little touchy, because we, as humans— we like to think that we can multitask, I think, a lot better than we actually can. I don't know about you guys, but with me and my wife, like, we'll be, like, texting or something, and the other one will be talking, and they'll be like, oh, yeah, I can hear you and text, and then they'll get to the end, and they'll be like, what did I just say? And you're like, ah, I don't know. I really couldn't do both those things at the same time. I just thought I could. But the relationship between focusing inward, outward, and upward all simultaneously is a lot more challenging than we like to think that it is. We like to think, oh, I can focus on my relationship with God, on evangelism, and on my church equally. I can, I can do all those at the same time, but it's a lot more challenging than I think that we let ourselves realize. And what happens a lot of times is we start to lose our focus in one area because we start focusing on another area, and, and we think, oh, it's good that I'm focusing outward now, and, and that I'm taking a break from fo focusing inward, or, or maybe I'm focusing so much outward that I lose my focus upward. It's just so challenging to try to navigate all three at the same time, because all three truly play into one another and work together for the betterment of the church, and ultimately for the betterment of God's kingdom. And, and I think no, nobody, nobody just like, I don't want any like rotten tomatoes thrown at me for this next statement real quick, but I think one of the best analogies for understanding how these three work together and complement each other is our government. Okay, so again, no, no tomatoes. But whenever I look at what our government was founded on and this idea that we have three branches of our government— and that they each have a role in this idea of checks and balances and how they are supposed to, comp I, again, I said supposed to complement each other and work together for the betterment of our country. The same is true in these three focuses of the church. They are designed to work together both independently and cooperatively for the betterment of God's church. And, and I think that over the last few years, the fact that we've seen our government fail to use this system properly in checks and balance, we see one branch feel like it has more power or trying to take over and, and do certain things, and, or another one try to fight back with, with other legislation, and we're not going to go into all that, but we see what happens. We, we've seen played out in our government what happens when 
these three branches don't work cooperatively. And, and almost as if <laughs> we have to reflect the government in that, we've see, I feel like we've seen our churches start to do the same thing. We may have one church that is super, super hyper outwardly focused. And that's great. And we'll see tons of people start to attend this church because they are so outwardly focused. But maybe they're not focused upward. That's dangerous, right? A bunch of people go into a church that's not focused on God. Or maybe we get churches that are so inwardly focused on what we want and what we desire and how we want the church to be run that they lose this ability to reach out to people who are outside of that church culture. We have to look at these three aspects of church and realize that they have to function both independently and cooperatively for the betterment of the kingdom of God. So let's dive into these three aspects. And, and, and I'm hoping that, that you're sitting here this morning ready to understand how these can work in our church and in our own personal lives. So our first one is not, we're not actually going to go in this order, but we're going to look first at inward focus. Now, I have attended, I have served in, and I have been a part of many churches with a hyper inward focus. And I think that this is a very, very common area for a church to focus. It makes sense, right? Because we are the church, we are the people, and we want to focus on what we want, right? And, and I think that almost in an attack on that mindset, you can find all over the planet, all over the globe, all over the internet, whatever you want, people who talk about the inward focus of churches being a killer of the church. And, and they say that what I said earlier about how if we're focused only on what we want as a church, that we lose this ability to relate and to connect with those who are outside the church. However, what in the church, people get upset. I'm sure that all of you sitting here today have done something where you were trying your best to do some sort of ministry in the church and someone got left out accidentally, intentionally, I'm, I'm just saying, you know, whatever. Someone got left out and feelings were hurt. We have to be people who focus inward even in amidst a culture that tells us that an inward focus is a bad thing. And you know how I know that we're supposed to focus inward? It's not just something that I feel in my gut. It's not just something that I'm like, oh, it makes sense that we should, we should focus on ourselves first. Because it's scriptural. You can look in God's word and you can see that we are intended by God to be people who focus on the health of the church itself. There's two things I really see when we look at this idea of, of how we focus on the church itself. And, and the first thing we see in Scripture is this idea of a body. 
Honestly, this is one of my favorite passages of Scripture because obviously being someone who works in ministry, I, I love the church. I mean, and, and I mean that as the, the big C church. Like, I love what God has ordained and created for us to be a part of, to, to connect with each other and love one another, and to work together for the betterment of his kingdom. But I love this passage in 1 Corinthians uh, 12. And, he, and it says, in 1 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 21, it says, The eye cannot say to the hand, I do not need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I do not need you. On the contrary, these parts of the body that, that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body, but that the parts should have equal concern for another. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. It says multiple times in this passage, there are individual pieces of the body of Christ that we can't say to another part of the body of Christ, I do not need you. And I can't stress enough how much as a body of Christ, as a church, we need each other. If you do not see that from this passage, you're blind to the words of God. Because he is openly saying that as certain aspects and different people who are fulfilling different roles within the body of Christ, we can't look at another role and say, I don't need them, I can do it myself. And I think so often, ministers at the top of this list look around and say, I need to do this, I need to do that, I need to be in charge of everything and in control of everything. In reality, the minister is just a different part of the body than everyone else. We're all parts of the same body. The minister's role is not greater. It's not over encompassing we have to look around and realize that we each have our specific role and it works conjoined with every other role every other part of the body to fulfill this plan that God has laid out guys I don't know how many times and, and, I'll, and I'll be the first to admit that I've done this that I've sat in a meeting or I've sat in a group at the church and thought, man, I just wish that person wasn't here. They're just dragging us down. Like, a, just, it's, it's a reality, okay? It happens. But we should never look at another part of the body and say, we do not need you. Because what they bring to the table is different than what anyone else can bring to the table because we are all designed by God individually to serve him in the way that he has created. You know, I, I, I look at this passage, and there's one thing that really stands out to me. Paul says these words, God has combined the members of the body. 
And so often I think of, you know, especially being someone who serves in ministry and this idea of God calling you to a church or calling you to serve in a church. And we talk about this all the time, like God has called me to serve at this church. And if you want to hear stories about how I, how I know that is true and how I felt that, I'd be happy to share with you at a different time. But we talk all the time about how God calls us to serve at churches, and we never really think about the fact that God calls every single church member to be a part of his church. God called you to be here today. God ordained and designed for you to be here and to be a part of this church. He has combined us in a way that we can't even begin to understand because he knows what is best for us to work together for the betterment of his kingdom. And this is an interesting concept we also see in Ephesians 5 and elsewhere in Scripture where the relationship between the church and Christ is, is discussed in, or illustrated in a marriage sort of sense. And we talk about this idea of, of a marriage being a combining of a man and his wife into a relationship in the same way that the church is a combining of people into a relationship to create the body of Christ. Haley has been reading through a book on, uh, on Revelation, and we obviously, some of you know, we traveled to Colorado for Christmas, so we had a long drive, and um, we, we talked through, as she was reading it, we talked through, and we, we looked at the relationship between how Jesus has interacted with humanity, that he came and left and bought our, bought our, bought the, the, our souls with his sacrifice, all these things that he has done perfectly match up with the traditional Jewish ceremony of a marriage. Guys, it's not an accident that God uses these ideas of a marriage and combining the church as a body of Christ. We have a relationship and a responsibility to maintain this relationship within the body. We have to be people who are inwardly focused. If, if I were to get married, I am married, but it, okay, let's try that again because that sounded really bad. I got married, okay, and I have children and I have a job. Is it enough to just say that I am married to my wife if I never focus on that relationship? If I focus on my kids and raising my kids, most people would say that's a good thing. If I focus on doing my job at a very high level, everyone would say that's a good thing. If I focus on both my kids and my job at a very high level, most would say, wow, that's amazing. But if I'm completely neglecting my relationship with my wife, none of that other stuff matters. If we are failing to focus inwardly on the church, nothing else we do matters. We have to stay engaged in a bodily relationship within the church. The second thing I see with this is this idea of fellowship. As a kid growing up, I always thought that fellowship was like the church word for like party. Like, we're going to go have a fellowship. Sweet! <laughs> that sounds fun! As I've grown up, I've realized that the word fellowship means so much more. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Encourage one another and build one another up. 
Hebrews 10.25 says, Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. We see throughout the New Testament that when we work together, when we fellowship together, we must encourage one another as a church. Man, I feel like that's lost. How many times do we sit with, like, and, and this idea of breaking bread, eating, like if you look at Jesus' ministry, he was always like doing stuff around meals, which, big fan, okay? Um, I, eat, like gathering together to eat is an amazing thing, and it is a great way to relate to people. But if we just sit there and we make small talk during that time, we're not truly doing what fellowship is designed to do. And an important and crucial aspect of fellowship is encouragement. We have to be there for one another. And I think so, so often we feel like encouragement only comes when something's going wrong. Like Aaron was talking about, there's many people in our church family who are sick. He says, if you don't see someone here, you might check on them. Man, check on people even if they are here. We're, we're designed to be a church that encourages each other and loves one another and, and is in this together. Don't ever let this aspect of encouraging one another slip through the cracks. <clears throat> so often when we look at this focus on the, the inward focus of a church, we see it as negative. But that's only if the inward focus is unhealthy for the church. And we'll get to that in just a second. But focusing inward on the church is something that Scripture tells us we have to do. The second thing that stands out to me in this passage in 1 Corinthians 12 is when he says, No division, there should be no division, but the body should have equal concern for one another. Many times we create unnecessary division in the church. And all it does is weaken the church as a whole. Man, I love the part at the end where he says, if one part hurts, the whole body hurts. I don't know if you've ever woken up and you have like a pain somewhere. I'm kind of like, I know you guys look up here and you're like, oh, he's so young. Okay, I'm getting old. Like, I'm getting older. Okay. And so I'll wake up some mornings, I'll be like, I just like slept on Landon's Tonka truck wrong or something, you know. And, you know, I can't move my body the way I want to, you know, like if one part of my body hurts, my whole body's taken out. If one part of the body is hurting, the whole body hurts. If any of you out there are struggling and we hear about it, sometimes, sometimes we don't, we, we try our best to keep our, our finger on everything that's going on, but sometimes we miss things. But man, if someone out there is hurting, and we find out about it as a, as a staff, man, I'll tell you those staff meetings, they're rough. Because we hurt for you. We hurt with you. Because you are part of our body. And if part of the body hurts, the whole body hurts. But on the other side, if one part rejoices, the whole thing rejoices. We celebrate together. We hurt together. We love together. We cry together. We, we rejoice together. We are the body of Christ. And we do it together. We cannot lose this aspect of doing the work of God together. Our second focus is outward. <clears throat> and we've talked about the importance of inward focus in a church regardless of what others say. 
And I think of like inward focus as a connective sort of spinal cord to the body of Christ. And now we're going to talk about something that I think that we are, we, we feel like we should do more, but we're afraid to do more. Outward focus is an essential aspect of Christian teaching and a staple foundation of the church. We look at Matthew 28, 19. Everyone probably knows this verse as the Great Commission. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. We are called by God. We are commissioned by God to be people on a mission of an outward focus. You know, this may be one of the parts of the Bible you try not to think about because maybe you don't want it to apply to you. Or you think, oh, there's other people who are doing missions. There are other people who are reaching the lost. There are other people who are fulfilling the Great Commission. And so I just attend church. I want everyone in here to realize that the Great Commission is not something that is called upon just the elite of the Christians or just the people who... It's called for every single one of us. Every single person sitting in this room that claims to be a child of God is commissioned by God to do His work. We look at Acts 1.8, and it says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The part I want to hone in on here, this here is where it says, then you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Now, when Jesus said this to the apostles, he was talking about the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came down and filled them. But for us today, as, as the modern church, we are filled with the Holy Spirit at the moment of salvation. And so when we experience salvation, we are filled with the Holy Spirit. And what happens according to this verse, not you might... In a Christian of our relationship with God, extent. How, how should we outwardly focus as a church? How much outward focus is too much? Now, we, we talked earlier about this more modern trend of a full outward focus with very little inward focus. It, it, and, you know, this is that idea that inward focus is a church killer. The same people would feel that outward focus is a church builder. Well, on some levels that true, a solely outward focus, I equate to building up your body with steroids. It makes it really easy but it damages everything else. A fully 
outward focus with nothing else can make a church role look really good. But it's damaging to every part of the body. Regardless of the idea of being devoted to an outward focus, as a trend today, outward focus is something that is imperative to the teaching and the survival of the church. But we have to guard ourselves from being so consumed with an outward focus that we lose our other focuses. I think that's the, that's the, this is the big catch-all. We, we see this idea of like, oh, I, and, and we hear it from ministers, from youth pastors, from children's ministers all the time. Invite your friends to church, right? Invite your friends to VBS. Invite your friends to camp. We're having a revival coming up. Make sure to invite all your neighbors. We, we, we get so hyper-focused sometimes on this outward, this outward focus that we lose sight of everything else. So if your outward focus ever takes away from your other focuses, it's too much. And if you've ever thought you'd never hear a pastor say there's too much outward focus, you just did. There has to be balance. Has to be balance. And the first step is being willing to compromise or let go of non-essential aspects of the church. Things like, and, and I'm just past experience in church right here, okay? Things like chairs, carpet, lighting, music, etc. Things that are unessential to what the church really is. Things that are not core doctrinal teachings. You got to be willing to compromise on those. It, and I, and I'll, I'll tell you this. Is that uncomfortable? Yes. Is it inconvenient? Yes. Is it worth it? I'll tell you right now. If a church that I attended wanted to go with red shag carpet, I don't know why that was like the universal carpet of churches back in the day, but they want to go with like red shag carpet because it's like the trendy thing. And one person comes in and goes, man, I'm here because of the carpet. Don't know why they would say that. They might. And that person comes to faith in Jesus Christ. I don't care what color the carpet is. If one person comes in because the music is loud and aggressive, whatever you want to, like, because if someone comes here because of the music and they're like, man, I'm just here because I like the music. And they come to faith in Jesus Christ. I don't care what the music is. I care that they came to faith in Jesus Christ. If we want a true outward focus that works together with an inward and an upward focus, we have to be willing to compromise on the non-essential aspects of the church. <clears throat> Second thing is we can't, we have to be willing, <laughs> sorry, we have to be unwilling to compromise on the essential aspects of the church. Now, if someone says, man, I came to this church because I like that the preacher tells me I can have anything I want if I just pray to God, then we got a problem. Because that is not, that is an essential doctrinal teaching that has been changed. You think that we're the first people to experience some turmoil for speaking the truth of Jesus in a world of lies? If there's one thing I see throughout Scripture, it's that the world bucks the trend of the truth of God. But God always prevails. Never 
ever compromise on the essential aspects of what Scripture teaches. God will see you through even when it feels like no one else will. It, we, could be, we could be the one person on the face of the planet still preaching the truth of Jesus Christ. And if everyone is saying, man, you're wrong, you're, you're, a, you're a bigot, you don't know anything, you're, you're just completely out of it, you're lost, you don't know anything. If you're the one person preaching the truth of Jesus Christ, God will see you through. It doesn't matter what the world says to you. It doesn't matter how the world reacts. But we have to be people who are grounded in the essential aspects of Christianity. So what does this mean for us? It means that we have to get over ourselves, right? It's not about us. It's about God. Do I care what color the carpet is? What color the, what, what color the music is? What type of music's playing? How the preaching? I don't care. I care that the truth of Jesus Christ is preached from this pulpit week in and week out. That's what I care about. Everything else is just filler. Don't think too highly of yourself and your opinions. Focus on God, His opinions, and His words. That's how you focus outward the right way. <clears throat> so how can we fix this? We have to make sure that the gospel defines us. As much as the gospel should be coming out of our mouths, man, that's not the only place that the gospel resonates from in our lives. Every aspect of our lives should scream the gospel of Jesus Christ. From the words we say, to the compassion we show, to the things we stand for, we have to let the gospel of Jesus Christ define our life. And I don't know if you're out there and you're like me, but that scares me. Because I am not Jesus. Okay? I make a lot of mistakes. I make a lot of errors. I say a lot of things I shouldn't say. I do a lot of things I shouldn't do. If we lived our lives truly, like, if our lives were the epitome of what the gospel was, man, this world would hate us. And you know, I've gone through periods of my life where I was really hyper-focused and serving God in the way that He calls me to day in, day out. And those were some of the roughest times of my life because I got, I, I use the word persecuted very lightly, but I, got, I was hated, I was, thrown, I was thrown aside, I was trashed, my reputation. We have to be people who are committed to serving God and outwardly focusing regardless of what that means for us in return. I look at Isaiah 6, 8. We hear the voice of the Lord saying, Who shall I send and who will go? And, I, and, I, and my hope is that every single one of us, if we were to hear that, if, if, if God were to speak in an audible tone in this auditorium today and said, Who shall I send? Who will go? That every single person in this room would stand up and say, Here I am, Lord, send me. But I don't know if that's true. How can you be better at outward focusing? Putting aside what you like, your desires, your wishes, to focus on Him, to focus on outward. Finally, our last one is our upward. And earlier I compared these three aspects to the three branches of government. And if, I, and if we were to try to parallel one, I would have to say that upward is the executive branch, right? Has the autonomous power to do things. 
that overrided in some cases the other branches, but ultimately it deserves the most respect and attention and truly has power over the other branches. And this is an upward and, and a devoted focus on God and God alone. And when it comes down to it, God has executive power over the church. That's where you guys say amen, right? God has executive power over the church. We should be solely focusing in, an, in a direction that serves God. And I'll tell you this right now, we could be completely not inward focus, focusing, completely not outward focusing. We could be solely upward focusing, and God could bless the church because he has executive power over those other two focuses. This is the essential core part of our focus. You can do everything to try to make our church better. You can do everything to try to reach the lost, but if you're not focusing on God, nothing else matters. As, as unnecessary as this seems, I'm trying to paint a picture of the, upward fo the importance of upward focus in the church, and it's sad that I feel like that I have to do that. But our, our culture today, our churches today, feel like they are trending more and more towards an, an inward and an outward focus and less towards an upward focus. We feel like we're doing the work of God in the church or doing the work of God outside of the church, but yet no one is taking the time to focus on God. If you spend more time working on outreaching or more time worrying about something with a, a program inside the church, then you do studying the Word of God on your own time, getting in the Word of God, your focuses are all messed up. If you're not focusing on the Word of God in your own personal life, you have no room to start focusing in an inward or outward direction of the church. We should all be in the Word of God more than we focus on anything else. <clears throat> and let me tell you this, the lack of upward focus in a church is not a new problem. We look at Matthew 15, 8 and 9, and Jesus said, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. This is about... <laughs> this is about a church. These are about people who lost an upward focus. You look at, the, you look at the, the teachers in the day of Jesus. They were following all these rules, and they were mad at Jesus for not following these rules. It's because they were focused more on the inward rules than they were the upward God that created them. <clears throat> when we look at the church being the body of Christ, it should imply that it has an upward focus because it shows that the body belongs to someone else, and that's Jesus Christ. Without an upward focus, you cannot be a church. At the best, you can be a social group or a cult. But if you have no upward focus, you cannot be a church. A church must have an upward focus at its core. So, how can we have a proper upward focus and balance it with the other two? I look at Jeremiah 29, 12, and 13, and it says, Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. 
You will seek and find me when you seek with all your heart. So how do we have an upward focus? We call upon God. Pray to God. Spend time doing the things that God called you to do. These aren't just tools to make us better. They're tools to make us usable by God. It says, if we seek and find, when we seek, what? With all our hearts. I think we've all heard the term doing something half-heartedly. We've all done something half-heartedly, okay? Where you're just like, I don't really, I don't full, I'm not fully invested. I don't fully care. I'm just kind of going through the motions doing it. I wonder how many half-hearted Christians we have in this world today. I fear that it's a lot. You can half-heartedly seek after God. That won't do you any good. Seeking God is not something that you give a half-hearted attempt at, and you'll be successful. God deserves for us to give a full-hearted or a whole-hearted effort towards seeking Him. And it may be impossible to, it, it may seem impossible to fully focus on God and still be able to focus inwardly and outwardly, but the thing we are missing is that we can't even begin to focus inward or outward until we're focused on God. I'm reminded of this. Uh, <laughs> I've worked a lot of different jobs. Again, if you want to hear more about that, different time, different day. But there's this illustration, I'm sure some of you have seen it before, where someone takes a big jar, and it's usually used for time management. And they have a bowl of, uh, uh, they have like a, a big pitcher of water, a big pitcher of sand, and some big rocks in it. And in this demonstration, I, I, I view the outward and inward focus as the sand and water meaning you can pour the sand and water in this jar at any time. But I think of our upward focus as these big rocks that they can only go in the jar if you put them in first. Because if you put the sand in first, you can't get the big rocks in there anymore. If you put the sand and water in there, meaning you have an inward and an outward focus, you can't get the big rocks in there anymore. You have to start by putting the big rocks in first and then allowing the inward and outward focuses the sand and the water to fill around the rocks for them all to fit in the jar. If we don't focus upward, there's no possible way that we're able to focus inward or outward. And you know what I, what I fe fear is that we, we are focusing inward and outward without this upward focus, and all we're doing is hurting and failing God's church. And so, you know, we sit here today, and I don't know where you're at. I don't know what New Year's resolutions you may have made that I've asked you to put on the shelf for this morning. And I don't know what God has said to you this morning as we've looked at all these different aspects, where God has convicted your heart to better focus. But I hope that he has. In fact, I, I, he should have. If one of those three focuses did not convict your heart— then you need, to, you need to realign your heart with God. We are called by people to focus on these three things. And I'll tell you what, right now, I've been a part of a lot of churches, and this church does a really good job uh, of these focuses. And this is, not to, this is not to try to build you up or anything. This is the encouragement, right? This church does a really good job of these things, but we could always do more. We could always do more.
So I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what's on your heart. But I pray that if you have been convicted by one of these things today, that you will take action in that direction. Don't just allow what God has said to you this morning to fall by the wayside. Don't be like, man, I really feel like I should be inwardly focusing more. I really feel like I should be outwardly focusing more. Man, I really need to get my priorities straight, and I need to start upwardly focusing. Don't leave today thinking that and not do anything about it. Because it makes all that we've done here this morning in vain. If you need to find someone in this room that you trust and make a commitment to them for them to hold you accountable, do that. You don't, when, when the invitation is going on, you don't just have to come down front. That's great. But you can go to other people. We're here for each other. We just talked about that. We're here to encourage and love one another and go through this together. But I pray that as we enter into this new year, that our church will be able to take next steps in all of these focuses, that each individual member of the body of Christ will be able to take a next step in focusing in the ways that God has commanded his church to focus. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the call that you have on our life. We thank you for the call that you place on your church. God, the design that you have instilled is greater than anything we could have ever come up with. God, the fact that you choose in your wisdom to use mere humans to do your work is beyond unfathomable to me. But I pray that these humans that are here would take this challenge, this commitment to serve you in the way that you have called them to. That you would push them and encourage them and allow the church to come alongside and encourage them into doing the things that you've called them to do to fulfill the will that you have destined for them. God, you have designed us all differently. You have designed us all as different parts of the body, different roles in the church, and I pray that you would help us to look upon each other with appreciation rather than condemnation. God, that we would look at each other and say, we need you. I can't do what I do without you. That we would be able to look and see those that you, that, that you call your children but that don't know you yet, God. That you would help us to see them and be encouraged to reach out to them. But ultimately, God, we pray that you would help us to stay rooted and grounded and focused in a relationship with you alone, God. God, convict our hearts of that. I know there are too many people in this room who do not have the relationship with you that they need to fulfill your call on their life. And I pray that you would convict them of that and help them to refocus their life surrounded around you, God. We pray for your Holy Spirit to empower us and encourage us to be bearers of your kingdom, God. We pray all this in your Son, Jesus Christ's name. Amen.